Well, welcome, church, to Soul Food, the things you need to know about your Bible. Tonight, I want to start on a a new branch under the same umbrella topic. I've entitled this, You Can Expand Your Appetite for God's Word. You can expand your appetite for God's Word. Do you find it hard? Do you find it dry? Do you find it difficult? Do you find it boring? Do you find it hard to understand? There are a host of issues. And I want to try and shine some hope into that situation. You can expand your appetite for God's Word. There's a verse, a pretty famous verse from Psalm 119, and it's going to be the main text, the main verse that we'll build tonight's teaching on. So get a Bible, Psalm 119, verse 11. David is the speaker. I have stored up your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. I have stored up your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Most of us know it in the old King James, thy word have I hid in my heart. But the same idea. If you were to bump into David today and you could ask him, so what is it? How did you become a man after God's own heart? What do you think he would say? Fortunately, we don't have to guess. He tells us. Tells us one of the richest secrets any Christian can ever know. In that one short verse, David stands up and says, well, here's the approach I took in becoming a man after God's own heart or a woman after God's own heart today, whoever you are. So I want to know this. I want to know this secret. I don't have time to waste on fads and trends and things that might not work. I want a godly heart. A godly life outwardly, apparently, if this verse is true, comes from a godly heart inwardly. I have stored up your word in my heart. And I think that this is exactly what Jesus was referring to in John 15, verses 7 and 8, where he said, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish, it will be done for you. By this is my Father glorified, that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. My words abide in you. David, your word I've stored up in my heart. So both David and Jesus, they're describing a spiritual root God's Word, abiding on the inside of a life, rather than on the pages of a book. Not just there, in here. Both David and Jesus are talking about knowing the Word of God by heart, in your heart. And both say there's really no possibility of transformation without that process. I can't abide in Jesus just by putting a what-would-Jesus-do bracelet on or trying to be a nicer person or a more loving person. The life of our Lord can't be mimicked from the outside. It's his words, to quote Jesus, abiding in us. That's what creates his life, by his Spirit, through us. So this is, this is the approach David was talking about. He wasn't perfect, but he's certainly a man to give me good directions about becoming a a man after God's own heart. And he says, I have stored up 
your word in my heart. There's a practice. I have stored up your word in my heart, and then there's a goal that I might not sin against you. The practice is getting the word into the heart. The goal is so that I won't sin against you. So tonight, we're just going to look at David's practice. Your word I have stored. First, the action he took. Your word I have stored. And then second, the place where he stored it. I stored it in my heart. So first, the action David took. I guess point number one. I have stored up or hid your word I've stored it up. I want to take a minute to show why I think storing is the idea he's he's trying to uh, get across here. The idea of hiding, hiding anything for that matter, it can be a little confusing. Your word I've hid in my heart. I mean, the reason that can be confusing is there are two different motives for hiding something, right? I mean, first you can hide something to conceal it to keep anyone else from ever seeing it. The Bible actually talks a little bit about that in Psalm 40, verse 10. The psalmist says, I have not hidden your deliverance within my heart. I didn't hide your deliverance within my heart. I've spoken of your faithfulness. So there's a kind of hiding that means I don't want anybody else to see it. I'm hiding it. That's not what we're to do with God's word. It's not that kind of hiding. So we don't hide God's word to keep it invisible and undiscovered. That's that's the opposite of what David means. But there's another way you can hide something or store it, and that is to protect it, to keep it from ever being snatched away, to keep it from ever being lost. Treasuring would be a good adjective, a good adverb, rather. This is the idea David's trying to capture. He hides God's word in the sense that he stores it. He treasures God's word. He tightens it up in his heart the way you would lock up precious jewelry. He he tends to God's word the way you tend to something so precious you'd rather lose anything than lose it. And so David, he hid God's word in his heart. He stored it in his heart because he wanted it kept in a place where it would always have impact on his life. That's what he wanted. He stored it, the heart, the very core of a person's existence. That's what the Bible means with the heart. It's not the organ that pumps blood. David said, I hide your word there because it's right at the center of everything else about me. Now, we've already come across more truth than a lot of Christians seriously consider. And we shouldn't rush over it. Just glancing or reading lightly and quickly the Bible isn't enough. So when David talks about storing or hiding the word in his heart, he's, he's actually describing the steps he took after he read it. After he read the word, after he studied the word, he's talking about how he labors to ponder over it, maybe memorize chunks of it. How does he preserve the word in his heart? So it's not just the actual event of reading it that he's describing. He's talking about, this is how I lock it down in my life. 
This is how I bring it to application. This is how I fasten it to my thinking, my planning, my affections. Jesus, he cautioned all of us about this same truth. There are two passages of Scripture where he outlines the threats, the numerous and powerful threats to the life of the Word in our hearts once we've read it, if we aren't careful about storing it and treasuring it. Look at Matthew 13, 19. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, so there's, there's reading it, and then there's a, you know how you can kind of read it and go, hmm, you didn't quite get it, put it away. So when you read it, there's the second step of, what does that mean? What is he talking about there? Is there a commandment? Is there an example? Is there a promise? When anyone hears the word, but doesn't, that second step, that laboring to understand it, he says, Jesus said, the evil one comes and snatches away what has been sown in the heart. So David says, I I hide it. I treasure it in my heart. Jesus says, you better, because there's someone who wants to come and pull that out of you. They don't want the effects of that word bearing fruit in your life. That's the enemy. And he works through, of course, the culture around us. So the entrance of the word doesn't automatically ensure benefit from the word. So away forever with the notion that it's enough to be just sort of inspired and to feel like, well, okay, I did my duty. I covered that text. That's good, but it's not enough. Jesus describes some other threats to the word that's just loosely read and held. Matthew 13, 22. As for what was sown among thorns, this is the one who hears the word, but the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word. What a verb. Choke the word. And it proves untrue. It does nothing. You've read it, and it does absolutely nothing. The lesson there is, David said, I've stored up your word in my heart. And what Jesus is saying in Matthew 13, 22 is, store up the word in your heart, but know this, you can't store up everything in your heart. Just like the earth orbits around the sun, your life was so created by Father God that it can only orbit around one supreme treasure. Make sure the word is the, is the center of your heart and you don't allow it to be snatched away by the enemy, or crowded out by other affections. Jesus exposes. This is how he exposes the greatest myth about spiritual life and the things that can destroy the power of the word in my life. It's not just bad things that kill spiritual life. It's secondary things that become primary. And so because of this ever-present danger. Unlike David's picture of storing treasure, Jesus uses a garden imagery. It's a brilliant teaching move. Weeding. Weeding is a wonderful picture of the activity of treasuring the word in your heart because weeding, as any gardener knows, is never done. It's just never completed. What clearer picture could be given to show what David meant when he outlined the need to Preserve, store, 
Treasure the word in the heart. After you've read it, treasure it there and don't let the weeds choke it out. So I said David had a practice storing up the word and the place, the heart. I want to look just for a minute at the place as we wrap up where David said he hid the word. So point number two, the heart is the place where David stored away the word. I have stored up your word in my heart. I read all sorts of things that I don't store up in my heart. I read stop signs, billboards, advertisements, instructions for assembling things, if I have to, programming things, a host of other collections of letters and numbers on a computer screen. For sure, David isn't saying you read the Bible like that. More than anything else, the word stored in the heart, it means being affected by the truth. The word stored in the heart means purposely holding the word sort of dearly, carefully, and consciously as as the programming center. It regulates everything. Cherishing would be a good term for it. Storing is the one David chose. So this, this goes beyond just church attendance, promise boxes, mere Bible reading. It's the most important thing about your life and my life. There's nothing else that will shape our walk with God and our eternal destiny more than this. So, here's what I want to do. How can we know if we're storing up God's Word in our heart? Storing is is what David did. The heart, that's the place where he did it. How can I know if I'm storing up God's Word in my heart That's what I want to wrap up with, and I've got three or four points. So this is A, 2A. You are beginning to store up God's word in your heart when you actually begin, I said just begin, to love the entrance of God's wisdom into your life. So so gradually, the word starts to consume more of your time, not just reading it, but thinking about it, understanding it studying it, applying it. You just, you'll start to feel like I need, I can't get enough of this in my system. You begin to cherish every opportunity to expose yourself to the entrance of God's word. It it would be like this, Proverbs 2. Look at verses 6 and 7 and then 9 and 10. For the Lord gives wisdom From his mouth come knowledge and understanding. He stores up sound wisdom for the upright. He is a shield to all those who walk in integrity. Nine, then you will understand righteousness and justice and equity, every good path for wisdom will come into your heart, see? And knowledge will be pleasant to your soul. There it is, pleasant to your soul. That's that's the mark of a flourishing heart. These huge changes. Psalm 1 declares that I used to delight in the counsel of the ungodly. You know Psalm 1. I had no taste for the thoughts and the ways of God. I'd spend more time with more excitement in front of the television or whatever I was streaming than in God's house. And then the Spirit of God opened up my heart to God's Word. And oh, what a sense of treasure began to develop. 
Oh, how I love your law, David says. It's my meditation day and night. Speaking of God's commands, David said, he didn't get there instantly. He treasured the word, stored it in his heart. And then he says, they're more to be desired than gold. Is that your evaluation? Remember, you measure any passion by what it takes to bump it from its number one spot. B, here's how else you can know when you're treasuring up God's word in your heart. You will know you are beginning to store up God's word in your heart when you begin to receive it with faith and submission. I said faith and submission because you really can't have one without the other. You, you, you have to believe that God's word is like gold. And that's what, that's, that it increases the value of your life or you'll never submit your agenda or your desires to its authority. I mean, practically, here's where faith has to be exercised. Many times, the teaching of the Word doesn't appear to be instantly beneficial. Many times. It can seem hard. It can seem undoable. It almost always, the wisdom of God's Word will almost always, as I think it through in my heart, it will go against most of my own fallen instincts. Only faith, the heart of faith, will sort of, I'll have to yield my own judgments postpone my own plans, die to my own goals, and treasure the Word. This is the only way the Word can get stored up, treasured properly. It, the Word becomes settled. Engrafted is the word James uses through faith and submission. C. You will know you are beginning to store up and treasure God's Word in your heart when you begin to Taste in your own soul abiding affection for the ways of God over the long haul. This doesn't happen all at once. And you don't have to pretend that it does. But over time, bit by bit, probably without even making a conscious decision, you cease measuring your spiritual temperature by short blazes and surges of emotion. You look for fruit. Jesus talked about this in Matthew 13, 20 and 21. As for what was sown on rocky ground, he's talking about the word. This is the one who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy, yet he has no root in himself, endures for a while, and when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, he falls away. And so Jesus labors to distinguish between short-term and long-term fruitfulness. There is a kind of response to God's word that can carry a certain immediate joy. That's the word that Jesus uses, but which can quickly lose impact. I've been thinking about this. I believe the difference is something like this. One approach to the word is to go to it when something in my life is either pain-producing or guilt-producing, something needs fixing at some point, and I go to the Word for help. That's not terrible. It's not a bad thing to do. When things go wrong in our lives, we try to stop what we're doing. We want to change our behavior. Go to the Word. And all of that is okay. It will be helpful to our souls, I'm sure, 
But these are frantic, last-minute approaches to the word. Scrambling. I believe Jesus is calling us to recognize the crucial difference between just getting in a jam and coming to the word, the difference between that and, and treasuring the word in the heart so it starts to shape your thinking about things. You learn the ways of God in his word. Before my life has a solid chance at permanent transformation, I need a totally different worldview. I need to view the culture around me differently. And the way I come to see and treasure and measure everything needs a radically new mindset, a word-shaped perspective. There was another occasion, by the way, where Jesus hints at this. Jesus restated the same principle by saying our lives can't just be switched on and off at the last minute around circumstances. He, he talked about drawing out of the storage of our hearts. Do you, think of, do you think of David's words when you read these words from Jesus? Matthew 12, 35. The good person out of his good treasure brings forth good. The evil person out of his evil treasure brings forth evil. So it's like the word hidden in the heart. Jesus says you can't just switch Switch your life on and off in different ways. You draw out of what's been stored in your heart. You live out of that storage. David says, I store up your word in my heart. All of this brings a a steadiness and consistency into your Christian walk. You know these, they're pretty famous words from Psalm 1, verse 2 and 3 where David says, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And on his law, he meditates day and night. And then look, he is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither. In all that he does, he prospers. That image of a tree planted by water, this this permanent fruitfulness. People who know me well, I, I have a little garden, and people who know me well know that I really, I can't stand tulips. I'm sorry, I just don't like them. I don't like them because they look great and they look crummy in the same 10-day stretch. And I'm so glad that David pictured life rooted in the Word. You meditate on the Word day and night, store it up in your heart. Life rooted in the Word, he says, it's like a, it's a tree. I like that. There's something special about a, about a huge tree. It's like a big oak tree. True, takes uh, longer to grow. Big oak tree isn't like dandelions. They just crop up overnight. But the thing about a tree, especially by water, it's going to be good for a long, long, long time. God does not want to make your life beautiful like a tulip. But his word does talk a great deal about trees. God loves to grow trees. He shall be like a tree planted by streams of water. Well, Pastor Don, I'm sorry, but my life 
boy, my life doesn't look anything like that. I'm all over the map spiritually. I'm up, I'm down, I'm happy, I'm confused, I'm discouraged. I have faith, I don't have faith. I'm hot, I'm cold. I'll never get to where you're describing. Yeah, yeah, you can. You can. But you have to make a start. Don't let the adventure scare you from beginning. When you begin forming the storehouse of your heart, you have to begin with a lot of sheer willpower. Get it in there. Later on, the Holy Spirit will increase momentum as you start meditating on the Word and keeping it alive in your heart. You'll start growing like that tree. The first important thing is do not procrastinate. And the second most important thing is do not quit. Don't procrastinate and don't quit. Spiritual weakness isn't primarily defined by failing too often. It's defined by quitting too soon. Jesus said, John 8, 31, if you continue in my word, you will truly be my disciples. The best time to plant a great oak tree, for sure, is 10 years ago. But the second best time to plant one is right now. Get God's word stored up in your heart. Never quit storing it up. Meditate on it. And you'll find it will be more precious than gold. Let's pray. Your word, what a great treasure. How blessed we are, how blessed we are even in this strange pandemic, how blessed we are to be able to come all together and get your word in our hearts. We need it. We need it to be strong and fruitful. Help us not to let anything snatch it away, like Jesus said, and help us not to let anything crowd it out, like the thorns Jesus talked about. We want to Store up your word in our hearts that we might not sin against you. Let this truth bear long-term fruit in all of our hearts. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. God bless you, church. Stay sweet and kind to one another and join us for our prayer time.